Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. So, I did my homework. Um, and I actually ended up watching the rest of All In. Um, yes. Which was good. Uh, it was a little interesting trying to get to watch it because I started watching it on Saturday. Um, and based on the, on the break that I had of where I stopped watching it, um, it was right after the, the women's match. Um, so that was the next match was the, the Cody championship match, um, against, uh, defending champion Nick Aldis. Um, and so I was waiting Saturday morning and that was when, uh, super early annual, returning registration for comic-con is um so yes the event is in next july um but we're already signing up for badges uh in the no november the the second weekend of october Um, oh gee (laughs) i don't even know what month it is hot damn (laughs) so um i there's like a period where of time where you like we'll sign in and basically get into the waiting room and then depending on how early sign in, have like an hour to kill and then wait to see if you're randomly selected. So I had plenty of time to, to be at my computer across multiple browser windows and all that stuff. Um, so I started watching some of it on the, from the fight TV website. Cause I was sitting at my desk and I've got two monitors on mm-hmm. here. So why not? Um, and I was, I was watching most of it. And then uh, as the kind of the, badge sale open and just waiting for my screens to go through and, and get, uh, see if I could get into all of it. Um, it was going okay, but then the fight website started buffering a lot. So it would play for like a minute and then buffer for three seconds. And then it would play (laughs) for like another minute and then buffer for three seconds. And at some point I'm like, like I didn't, it was happening so oddly. And I was distracted enough by doing like badge sales stuff that I wasn't noticing the pattern. Um, until it was like three quarters of the way through, uh, through the match, uh, for Cody. And I'm just like, something's fucked up here. Like this just isn't, it isn't working. Um, and then, so I had to go dig my iPad out of my gym bag, um, and set that up. And then I started watching the rest of like the last couple of minutes of the the Cody match on my iPad. Um, And then the majority of the, uh, I want to say, and then the rest of the the Hangman uh, Chicago Street Fight uh, match I watched on the iPad. And then the rest of them I watched on uh, a combination of the iPad and TV uh, on Monday night. Um, But it was, there's there's a handful of these where there's ones where I definitely want to go back and watch them again uh, just because of, uh, flow and especially like I, I think I got took it out of the the pacing of the uh, of the Cody match just based off of the the browser browser buffering issues. Um, but the the rest of them I I was glad to to get through and it ended up being uh, for me a case where yeah the they definitely uh, closed it with a bang because the the six man tag at the end of the night usually I'm not a fan of six man tags. Or I should say I'm not a fan of the six-man tags that I'm used to based on WWE standards. Um, but this was one where they they definitely hit a home run, um, and and that was that was good. So I mean we can we can go through the rest of the card. But now that, that I've seen it all, um, 
uh, why don't you uh, kind of give some of your uh, initial feedback? Uh, as I said, as I said before, um, best pay per view of the year, uh, hands down. I don't think, I don't think Bound for Glory is going to top it. Um, you don't think Crown Jewel is going to beat it? Uh, oh my god, that dumpster <laughs> fire of a fucking pay per view. <laughs> um, I don't think anything that WWE is going to put out is going to even remotely get close, um, in match wise or talent. Um, Though arguably the worst match of the night was the Stephen Amell Christopher Daniels match, which was still a good match. And to so, me, like I said, when we first watched that one, I felt that that was still a pretty quality match. And I don't know if it was a matter of Daniels putting Amell over or like over spotting him. But to me, it seemed like watching that and even watching it again, that Amell had or seemed like a more seasoned, a much more seasoned wrestler than he, than he is. Um, and that, it was maybe even a couple of botches on Daniel's side. Uh, but that's one where, again, I, I like to watch it for a third time just to see that again. Um, but it was one for me, that was one of the more interesting matches of the night. Yeah. Um, that match actually, sh- that match actually should have been the opener. Yep. Um, they could have bumped the, uh, so unfortunately because Okada, uh, Marty scroll, and Kenny Omega uh, and oh my god, who is he wrestling? I almost said Pentagon. Yeah, uh, Kenny yeah, it is Pentagon. Yeah, Pentel Zero. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, those matches ran a little longer than they should have, um, and specifically Okada's match against Marty Scroll. Yeah, which that, that one was... did seem like a long match, but it. Uh... I was gonna say it was still a fantastic match, um, but. Because those couple matches looked like they might have went long, uh, it kind of threw off the pacing for the main event. So I think, honestly, they should have just bumped that first match, which was uh, to the pre-show, which was Matt Cross versus what's-his-face? MJF. Yeah. And um, uh, so it's tough when these stakes are super low anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the idea for this pay per view, the stakes are super low anyway because these wrestlers they'll interact with each other, but anything they build here doesn't matter. If that like for the majority of the card, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I don't think you take two wrestlers like that and don't put them and put them against each other. Um, I'm, the good wrestlers. The, that match itself was fine. Um. But you don't take that, and then like that's your opener to this special event. I think you honestly just open with Christopher Daniels, who is one of the top twenty wrestlers of, in the world, um, versus Stephen Amell, who's been on TV. So um, I think you open with that, and your builds better, and it gives your other matches a fair amount more breathing room. Mm-hmm. Like I mean that the I look I like you know like. I, the main event definitely did feel cramped. Um, and I still, it was still fine. It was still enjoyable. It just felt like it could have been enjoyed a little bit more if there was a little bit more time for it. So, um, I don't think, you know, I mean, realistically in the entire night, there's only two places you look where you could literally have cut time. Mm -hmm. And that was that first match. You just cut it completely or or you trim up the the Cody Aldis match, um, you know, and 
I think you don't trim that Cody Elvis match. I mean, realistically, if you trim that match, you trim it 45 seconds. Yeah, you, I mean, that like, wasn't... 45 seconds is, is... And, I mean, we can we can go match by match, but that was one where, to me, like, there was, uh, based on what I saw, I mean, there was there was some stuff there um, that, as an outsider looking in, that I obviously didn't have context for, um, but somebody maybe following it a little bit more closely uh, would understand that uh, a little bit better. Um to me, the uh, the one that had kind of the the least impact on me was the um, the Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon match, uh, just because I, I don't follow Ring of Honor that much. Um, and it was the Ring of Honor World Championship match, um, but it just seemed like more kind of going um, uh, going over the top than, than necessary. So that one for me, that was one that kind of was lost on me the most. Uh, but from all the ones that I watched from the, the latter half of the card, since the last time we talked about the first three matches, um, uh, I mean, they were, they were pretty much all home runs for me, except for yeah. the ring of honor championship match. Yeah. And I honestly think, so there's two parts to that. Um, I don't think you have that pay-per-view without them. I don't think you can have all in without that, that championship mm-hmm. defense. Um, with that being said, um, I don't know if Flip Gordon is the best person to challenge for that championship at all in. Um, they mm-hmm. built it early, Apparently I didn't get a chance to watch the pre-show. Um, and apparently they did a battle Royal. Yep. A battle Royale with, yeah. And, um, the I think, and what's weird is because uh, Jay Lethal, uh, uh, was it Machismo, is uh, a, a little, um, it's sort of like a comedy character, kind of. Yep. And, which is fine, um, which he could have, you know, Jay Lethal is a really talented wrestler. And one of the funniest things of all time that I still still see gift to this day is... Um, him and Ric Flair getting into it at uh, on TNA. I think it was like a random episode of Impact where he's like doing his Ric Flair impression and it's fucking hilarious to Ric Flair. To Ric Flair. And Ric Flair is just losing his shit in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's on the ramp and he's like, I guess like for some reason, Jay, uh, Jay Lethal and, and Ric Flair are um, feuding. And uh, he's just like, it's the it's the gif where you it's like Ric Flair just going, woo! And then, like it, cut, it'll cut to Jay Lethal on, the, on like the ramp, uh, uh, impact, and he's like, "Ooh!" I, I've seen, I've seen it so many times on the internet now. Even now, we'll have to, um, I'll have to look it up because now I'll use so, it as a, a default response for people. Yes, um, and uh, the the whole the whole entire promo is actually hilarious because he's doing the Ric Flair uh, impression and he's sitting there. And there's a point in the promo that they're both just elbow drop, elbow dropping their jackets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i like i just say i like jay lethal i think his finisher is kind of silly um but um his finisher is a very much a um the way the lethal injection gets set up is a very much um very indie style finisher which one is that the back handspring off the rope into the sky and then like a back elbow or something yeah okay that, that's what yeah. i i thought that was um i i rewound that at first to see what it was to see how he caught him um and so i i mean i think it's an interesting uh, take on um like 
the the handspring into the ropes coming off of it instead of doing something else um so like it is it is something unique and has some sort of versatility slash power to it um as opposed to a super kick or a spear or mm-hmm. something else um which is an interesting uh pivot into my main takeaway from the uh the Cody Aldis match um mm-hmm. where what I'm about to say, I'm in no way comparing Cody to Jinder Mahal. Um, but what the fuck is actually the crossroads? To me, it seems <laughs> nothing more contrived and nothing more ridiculous than the Great Coloss. Like that would I once I was on my iPad, I like hit back like 30 seconds. Like I watched it, watch it again, watch it again, watch it again watch it again and i i still don't understand like the significance of the setup um where like the we'll we'll get to it later but like the simplicity in okada's rainmaker is wonderful oh god okada oh my god and so oh my god i mean for that like it's it's just it's it's wonderful and i just want to see somebody finish a guy with a fucking power bomb for once but like to have like this uh, whatever the hell the crossroads is i don't know if it has a name or something where you know similar to like the diamond cutter is is a front-facing cutter blah 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 um but all of that just seems like super over the top and much more set up and unnecessarily there so when i like saw that was a finisher i was like okay um that seems super contrived um but the other than that uh i mean obviously the match um it it was was kind of went off without a hitch it was really well done in my view um and then uh i mean just seeing kind of the work and uh the the timing the pacing and and it it went at the beginning of the match um having already known that that cody won um to me it seemed like uh there was a there was not gonna they i didn't gonna, spoil that for you did i no i, I knew it ahead of time um from other okay. stuff just in in general um and so but also that's kind of uh in my opinion as far as being a pragmatist i don't think you have that event and have cody not win the belt um just as far as it like being <laughs> quote-unquote his event um and so so it's a little bit a little bit different that way um but so I, I kind of fully expected him to win it and then kind of knew uh, afterwards. Um, but there was like so much on the front end of just Aldis beating his ass um, that it didn't seem like it was going to ever work like story-wise for him to come around to it. Um, but then they, they ended up doing it uh, a good job of, of having him come around and being able to pull one off. So I, I was happy with that ended uh, or how that ended. I just still didn't understand what the hell the crossroads was about or why it's so devastating. <laughs> the so the, the okay so yes the crossroads terrible um it never looks good it's a weird it's a weird variation uh small diatribe since we're speaking about cutters but in fact the cutter invented by johnny ace or better known as john Laurinaitis, aka people power for that terrible fucking stretch of raw from circa 2010 to uh, 2012 well i've got um, the all-in page up on wikipedia so just to, to go through it there and they link the crossroads and i clicked on the link and it opens to cutter professional wrestling 
And so, I mean, that's all it is. It's another variation of a cutter. Um, so It's not even a good variation either. And apparently, Bo Dallas currently uses it, call it calling it rolling the dice. Um, oh, so I, ha- I haven't seen him doing it. Um, but yeah, it seems to be a, a ridiculous one uh, where they're just trying to have more variations on the cutter itself. Yeah. Uh, well, because you can't give you can't give so many cutters, um, and, and a cutter in general, when a move is like classified, I, I guess, is it a cutter? They, I mean, they classify it as a rolling cutter. Yeah, probably. So, um, yeah. because technically, uh, the stunner is technically a cutter too. So, um. Which I'm glad. Oh my god! I don't know. Last time you went to an indie, I know we're terribly off topic. I'll just say this. So I'll get back. I promise. I don't know if you've been doing indie. Sh- if you've been doing indie show later lately. Holy shit! Stunners everywhere. I haven't it's- lately, but there have been a bunch <laughs> that actually like since since all in like everybody was on the all aboard the uh, the indie <laughs> wrestling show in Chicago type uh, marketing scheme. So I've seen a, a ton more of them mm-hmm. since then. So depending on like if we're in town on some random <laughs> weekend, we, I may end up catching one, but I haven't seen any any lately. Yeah, fucking stunners everywhere. Um, everybody's doing them. So, um, yeah, like <laughs> the for me the <laughs> um for me the. Cody Rhodes, Nick Aldis match. Um, it was a very good match. I had two kind of two small issues with it. Um, so that match went straight from the women's match into that match. Is that correct? Yeah, went women's match into there. Okay. Okay. So the women's match, I honestly think, is my sleeper match of the entire night. Um, like all the other matches were were phenomenal anyway. Um, but to go from that women's match into that Cody into the the championship the NWA world championship match uh was kind of a kind of it was a very hard turn because it was a very old style pace the pacing was old style it wasn't like super flashy and it was more kind of strangely about the story than the technical wrestling because um Cody I like Cody Rhodes I've always liked Cody Rhodes I've loved his character work I was like one of the like I loved his doctor doom his doctor doom shit um and uh he's not known for being a technical wrestler um and which is evident from the shit that we just talked about the crossroads for (laughs) um but my thing is that when there's a couple points in the match where so it's slow um and it's kind of jarring for that transition to go straight from the high impact, high velocity women's match into Cody's match. And which is tough too, because that match is also, um, that match is also in the middle of the card. Yeah. So, um, my second big problem with the elbow spot 
we'll talk about that separate because that's obviously just a minute thing. My biggest issue was that was just how long Cody was out. I think he could have been out a little little less. That's why I talk about where you look at that match, you shave about 45 seconds, maybe a minute. It's basically the length of how long he's out because he's out for almost like two minutes. Yeah, and that's, two or three that's minutes. the one thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way for that one too is how long he was out um, and, and what that was there. And, and I at the at the time didn't dig in to see if if there was more real to it there um based off of him coming out of it and being uh covered in blood uh and knowing if that was uh actual real uh you know accidents happenstance based off of uh the spot of, mm-hmm. of Aldous coming off the rope or if there was some sort of blading there um but uh i mean the fact that the way things were communicated between everyone involved there, it seemed like it was more real, or I would say like it seemed more real than any other spot like that, that I've seen done. Um, so if it wasn't, then, you know, more props to everybody involved because they, they pulled off a, a very, um, realistic, uh, uh, kind of, uh, spot like that. Um, but that was again, the only kind of uh, slowdown uh, for me or kind of a odd, odd part yeah. of the match for me. The other, the, so my basically like the, honestly, like match placement of that is kind of minute. And of course the elbow spot, how long he was out, it's kind of minute too, right? Um, it's a slower match. You think you might be able to get away with that, but it kind of loses its urgency. But, um, my other, my big problem with that match, um, is, the bowl of cottage cheese that is personified and calls itself Nick Aldis. Um, that dude is so bland. And I don't know for those of you that know, um, that's, uh, Magnus from, he, he wrestled on the name Magnus for T uh, for TNA years ago. Um, Nick Elvis is so bland and so boring because he just doesn't seem to get a react. Like your heels have to be striking. Mm -hmm. And in that match, he obviously was striking. He never impressed me on TNA. I always thought it was, he was a super bland face. Um, I don't know what his gimmick was going into this, but I did not care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, I just looked at him and just saw a giant bag of flour. Um, you know, and it was just like, it's like, dude, just so bland. Um, yeah, it seemed just like so uneventful. Pork chop. Exactly. It, it seemed like such a, yeah. an yeah. uneventful character, um, where there, there was really, nothing to me that would like he he wasn't a heel generating heat in any way shape or form um and and so that that's what there was something that needed to happen to do that but yeah heading into it it was just so uh vanilla that there there was just nothing really to to be interested in yeah and you know and what sucks is because all the reactions there for in that match were just cody Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Or, or I think Brandy got more of a reaction. I think Brandy got more of a reaction than, um, oh my God, I forgot his name, Nick Elvis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so bland he is. You know, he's so bland. We were talking about him, and you go, oh, yeah, he's so vanilla. I'm like, 
Well, I do like vanilla ice cream. I do like vanilla as a flavor. Like, I'm just distracted. That's how bland he is, is that you can't even associate a flavor with him because you literally, the, the whatever flavor you associate with him, it just immediately goes to like the the flavor automatically wins in that thought fight. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was he was honestly like I saw that and like besides you know knowing all in that Cody basically put it together, um, this state that the NWA title is kind of in now anyway, um, because that title has now been ripped from them the lineage of that title has technically been ripped from them twice now. Um, because that was, I think the old WCW title, which went with the WWF and then, or WWE, excuse me, um, WWF. Um, and then TNA, the TNA title used to be the NW, the NWA world title. Okay. Um, so like, they and I'm sure there's somebody can probably correct me or whatever. I'm, no, wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty um, sure you're right. That sounds so, right to me. <laughs> so they they've lost all the history of that title because it's because it's not it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've lost all that history. You also aren't having the best. I didn't know who was NW. I can name you two NWA champions in the last eight years since they started again. And that's Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis. And (laughs) it's not like in this, (laughs) like, and it's not because I look like I follow, you know, I'm, I have a couple, like I'm in a couple different groups for pro wrestling. I'm not against indie wrestling. I like it. Um, I really, I really like new Japan. Um, you know, like for instance, you know, I could tell you probably, um, I and this is the thing too. I haven't followed New Japan for very long, and I haven't watched it in a couple months, just mostly because of schedule and and um, I don't like New Japan's app. I believe we talked about that episode yeah. before, but I can name you more. I can name you more and <laughs> New Japan World Champions in the last four years than I can name NWA champions. Right? Like, okay, here we go. AJ Styles. Oh. Okada. Oh, Kenny Omega. Uh, uh, and then we've got, and then we're probably going to have Kota Ibushi win it after that. So like, you know, uh, it's just, it's, I think was it AJ? Who did, I think AJ dropped that title to Kenny Omega. I think, I think so. But sorry, I, I got distracted by the. Uh, well, no, no, you're saying that trying I'm to... trying to remember it. Even with my limited uh, <laughs> viewing experience of New Japan, uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's more interest in, or there's more uh, just kind of uh, vague recollection in my brain, um, even in just passing on um, uh, when I when I'm scanning and there's New Japan on the audience network, and I watch that like I did over the weekend <laughs> as well, um, and for like a good. 35 minutes i was vastly entertained um but yeah i mean the fact that we can have that conversation and and kind of when we're not really focused on new japan or haven't watched it in x amount of Mm -hmm. time and then there's we have no idea what's going on for the nwa world championship and that's one that we should have much more visibility into yes yeah and you know and that falls down on 
the NWA because it's just kind of a shift of what it used to be, which, you know, two buyouts, I mean, two buyouts of basically all your talent in your history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's going to fucking happen. But, you know, they kind of need to... Uh, they kind of need to get their shit together again to promote it. And you can't have a champion like Nick Aldis, who he's a serviceable wrestler. He is in substantially better shape than me. And is probably would be a better professional wrestler than I would ever be. As I told, um, uh, Jake, uh, man, scout Manning and, um, uh, Zane Riley. When I met them in person, I go, if I told them, I go, if I ever had a wrestling match, I would go, my first match would most likely be my retirement match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or your funeral. <laughs> yeah. And I would just leave my loafers in the ring after that. Like, Just make it a casket match and then it's, it's yeah. easy enough there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because I know my body probably couldn't handle it. I've thought about it, but I'd have to get in crazy shape and my body is not great. So, um but that's the thing. If I don't go to Japan, I actually thought about maybe going to wrestling school and see if I uh, do the basic training, see if I just become a manager. Well, <laughs> you can always go to Black and the Brave, and they're not too far from us, and that's driving distance. <laughs> or I guess it's Black and Brave. I don't think it's Black and the Brave. Either way, it's driving distance, so that would be easy enough. Next time we go to Iowa, I'm stopping in there, so I, I keep. I always plan to do that, but we've had like two trips that we've been planning to go to Iowa and then they always get canceled for a number of reasons. So I just haven't made it that far West uh, in the state lately. So uh, (laughs) next time we're out that way, we'll go there. Um, So moving on into the next match, the Chicago street fight, I thought this was an excellent match. Oh, this this match is fantastic. This was probably one of the best street fights I've seen. Um, This, the the two I've seen a handful of street or I've seen a, a pretty good amount of street fights over my course of watching wrestling. Um, the two best have come in the last year um, and both being Chicago street fights. Um, and so one was earlier this year, which was Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano um, in the Chicago street fight at mm-hmm. NXT takeover the night before money in the bank. Um, the end to that one was stupid, um, but the rest of it was amazing and over the top. Um, this one was an excellent match. It had an excellent ending. I have one nit to pick about it, um, where some of the high spots were, you could tell they were set up too long or telegraphed a little too long. Um, so yep. like some of the, like the back moon spring, whatever, I guess it's called one of them is or not right of passage, but one is a couple of the other ones. They were set up a little too much because you could see Janela like stop, turn around and like look exactly at where he was supposed to be tracking uh, Paige to do some of the the high spots or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, again, that's you're talking about one to two seconds where like when you're looking for that, you can tell. But like in the overall flow of the match, nothing was was there. Um, But this ended up being where, you know in any street fight match, it escalated quickly. Um, and then it was, it was very well done. So as, as far as the, the match from start to finish, I thought was, was excellent. Um, yes. So, uh, I'd watched a little bit of hangman page. Um, uh, in new Japan, I was not impressed. I thought it was kind of boring, whatever. Uh, I'm pretty sure watching that street fight match with him and Janela, I just ate a shit ton of crow <laughs> because <laughs> that match was, the, I think, the best match of the night. 
um, in terms of and like I love Okada and Kenny Omega. They're fantastic wrestlers, arguably two of the best. And that's what's crazy is because Janela and Hangman Page, they're Hangman from what I've seen is a fine wrestler. Um, but Janela is basically just a, a spot dude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's basically how he um, gained his fame. And I actually, there's something on Amazon called Dojo Pro, um, which I think is like an Amazon exclusive, I think. And it has a couple, a whole bunch of indie, indie horrific guys, including Janela. And the idea behind it is that you wrestle a series of matches and uh, whoever wins this title gets a shot to cash in at the Ring of Honor World Championship. Go figure. So, which apparently they're just handing those out like fucking candy today. Um, but I watched him on that and I wasn't really like super um, impressed. Mostly um, like he had a match with James Storm. Um, and I wasn't a big I'm not a big fan of James Storm. Look, I love beer money, but um, and I am definitely not beer money's target demo. Um, but I'm not a big fan of James Storm, especially on a singles run. Um, he isn't, James Storm doesn't have a lot of character, but needless to say, anyway, this is supposed to be about Joey Janela. So, um, he, like, I never, like, I saw Janela's stick or whatever and was just like, okay. It didn't really affect me watching uh, Dojo Pro. Uh, taking that and seeing how that like full fledged Joy Janela, a bit different, uh-huh. <laughs> substantially a bit, uh, substantially a bit different. And the fact you got to see him do what he does best, which is basically tell uh, in front of a crowd of people, "Hey, watch me do this stupid thing," and you're like, "Don't do it, don't do it." And then he does it, and you're like, "I, I literally the first words." out of my mouth is i gasped and said i think i just witnessed a person die yeah that's a, you hit that right on uh, the nail in the head because that's exactly what it was like i was sitting there watching i'm like no he's not gonna do that that's not gonna they're not gonna do that okay they just did that and he survived that was a very hard bump um <laughs> they can't do that again oh no they just did something completely different but something that was you know three times more painful um or yeah and so that's uh 100% i mean you hit that right on the head yeah um that match was fantastic um the jory ryan interlude after that match um there are two downs so you mentioned the choreograph thing and there's a point there's i totally see what you mean um i think what's his girlfriend girlfriend's name uh, penelope ford yeah i'm not sure I'm just I'm just making shit up now. That's what um, I was looking at. But Penel- she's not even mentioned in the summary on uh, on the Wikipedia entry, so like they're not even really counting that as a as a like item of interest in the match. But the, so there is the point where she gets she has her spots with uh, Hangman Page, and it that def- there was a lot of stuff that in, within that that definitely felt choreographed. Like she goes for an extra backflip and he doesn't even swing. Yep. Like it wasn't even tight. I was like, oh, like um, she was she was enjoyable. Janela was enjoyable for the stupid shit he did. I don't know if I could watch him do that anymore. 
Um, but that was one hell of experience that definitely made me feel like a kid, right? So the first, I don't know if you were talking about this, but the first pay-per-view I ever saw was SummerSlam 99. And that's the pay-per-view, I think it was 99, maybe 99 or 2000. But it's the pay-per-view where that main event was the triple threat TLC match with the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudleys. Okay. And that's the one where, and that's the one where Edge spears Jeff Hardy off the fucking ladder while he's holding yep. on to something. That was the that was basically the first pay per view I ever saw, and okay. basically the first full wrestling, first real full wrestling match I ever saw. And that shit was nuts. And like watching that Janelle, that that Hangman Page Janela match, and when the, he did that bump off, off the ladder, the last one that ended the match. Mm-hmm reminded me of that as as being a kid it was just like holy crap um but you know so that did like they they used spots really effectively in that to help build it um and then we've got you know after that was the Joey ryan return and th- um, that was all lost on me because I, I i had no prior context to that and then the ridiculousness of all of the for lack of a better word penis power i just could care less about um so that was something that i kind of i uh jumped through uh to till that was over um but uh the uh, that's why i say kind of from start to bell finish um or bell start to bell finish that match was was excellent for me the after crap for that could have been i i would have gladly uh thrown that out the window for that much time added on to the main event Yes. So, um, yes, it was lost. It was kind of funny. Uh, they sort of built it up beforehand a little bit with some clips from becoming the elite, mm-hmm. um, which was fine. Honestly, that whole, uh, to be realistically realistic, the only reason you needed that was because you needed to give the audience a fucking break yeah. after that fucking match. Like, I did not think I saw that match. It was like that. Honestly, that Chicago street fight match was the match I was looking forward to the least that entire card and so i saw like when your expectations are kind of in the gutter for a match and then they end up being fantastic and you're just like oh well i need a moment i've got the vapors <laughs> and the that match was so good um and then they actually do a pretty good job of leading it into the and then the next match i believe was the kenny omega pentagon junior match um and that was that was pretty good, but you definitely needed a break between those two matches because I think you would have actually, I think you definitely would have fried your audience. Like there had to be something there. Mm-hmm. Did it need to be Jerry Ryan penis power? Um, I don't know why I just got a picture fucking underdog in my head. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, that was funny. Did that go on a little too long? Yes. But I'm always going to laugh at somebody being carried out by a a whole bunch of inflatable penises. Yep. Uh, Well, that's what even, even um, some of the, uh, some of the reviews or the review, it may even be the one on, uh, on Wikipedia, um, says, you know, the lights went out similar to an undertaker spot. Um, but instead of the lights coming back up and Druid standing there, they were a dozen men with inflatable penis costumes. So just like that kind of 
diversion is a little bit better for for that type of uh for the levity after that type of beating so yeah i, I can understand that yeah so um kenny omega basically proven why he's so uh side note speaking of kenny omega i looked up the last five years of champions um for new japan and i was correct it was kenny omega okada uh i missed uh nato um aj styles and then tanahashi i who i'm pretty sure i thought did win but i wasn't quite sure and i didn't want to embarrass myself and then basically it's either okada or like one of those four guys all the way back to like 2010 mm. <laughs> so yeah so you used to say that's probably proper more proper booking by new japan than than others but um but yeah kenny omega basically in his match basically still proven why he's yeah, one of the best in the world this match uh, was my match of the night um for me like going into it i knew the spot that happened after the match um because i follow jericho on a ton of social media outlets um and a bunch of stuff so i i saw a bunch of stuff that happened afterwards the only thing is i didn't know that happened afterwards like i thought it happened during the match or like before the match or that he was wrestling as pentagon the entire match um so the whole time i'm like when's this gonna happen when's this gonna happen so like i was kind of waiting for it anyway and then it just became like this really awesome fucking match and then at the end of it i was like oh okay yeah it's gonna happen afterwards so once i realized that the kind of the jericho spot was gonna happen afterwards i was like oh this is awesome so that's like the number one match i want to go back and watch because i've seen some of kenny's stuff um on the new japan uh airings uh when they air it on um uh, when they aired on the, I guess the audience network on AT and T Uverse, um, which mm-hmm. is what we have for cable. Um, but the well, we have that too, and, and so it, it's as part of Directv. It was when I had Directv in North Carolina. That's where it was, and then I, I think it got on the AT and T because of, because of um, uh, it was the originally like the uh the all Directv channel, and then when they got bought and all that stuff but um so i mean that's what new japan is it airs on that the only problem is um it's a uh it's often um commentated by jim ross after he's had about 37 downers um and so it's <laughs> a little difficult to, to watch oh, it's a slobber knocker uh it, it's like you slow that down about eight times and then you're you're about where it is where it seems like it seems like if you put Jim Ross at the end of the first Captain America movie, when he wakes up and he realizes he's not in like the 1945 era and all the things are fake and he's trying to figure out where to go. Like that's where it feels like Jim Ross knows he's not where he's supposed to be. And he's trying to figure out what, but he's still going to call the match while he's trying to figure it out at the same time. Um, so that's kind of the, oh, the feel of, of the, of, of those events or of the, that new Japan programming with the the english uh commentary team which i completely understand i've grown my entire life watching wrestling with in its native language by the native speakers doing the the primary broadcast so i'm not going to shit on it um but that's just it's i don't generally get engaged as much but having seen some of kenny's matches there they were good um but this was just one where it ended up being one that yeah it's I not necessarily eating crow because I haven't really talked shit about Kenny, but it's something where um, I just haven't been as interested as other people just, you know, coming and passing or just hasn't been made its way into my purview. I haven't really gone on my way to seek it. Um, but yeah, this this match was excellent as far as uh, all the spots they hit. Um, 
even you know very much interested in watching other matches from penta based off of um a man of his size uh kind of combining um heavyweight style with luchador style um and and some of that stuff and and all of the moves that, that they had set up um was was well over the top for me so at that match as a match that match was was my favorite one of the night yes so um I first heard of Kenny Omega years and years and years ago because you might remember this. There's a viral, there was a viral video of him wrestling a nine year old girl. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but now that you mentioned, it, I, I remember reference to it. It's it. You know, what's funny is it's not a bad match. Yeah, that, exactly. That's what I've heard. And there's one of um, him. Uh, wrestling a blow-up doll, I believe, and that's D- he's on DDT. Um, and DDT is basically Chikara, but for Japan. Um, and I think there's, I think he, I think there was one where he literally wrestled a broomstick. Okay. And uh, um, the blow-up doll was the. Was this not DDT? Thinking of it was a DDT. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> the um, yeah, that blow up doll is like DDT champion for a very long time too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the um, the fact that he made those matches look good. Um, <laughs> I remember the wrestling the nine year old girl. Um. Like he he basically there's one where he basically like kicks her in the head and they boo him and he's like, it's a wrestling match. What do you want me to do? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, uh, Kenny Omega has always been good. Um, I, man, Kenny Omega so good. Um, and Pentagon. And not to sell Pentagon short either. Uh, once again, there was some insane stuff in that match. Um, a good pacing, good everything about that was good. It felt right. Um, and I'm actually really surprised they put um, they put Kenny Omega and Pentagon Jr. on before Marty Scroll and Okada. Um, yeah, because first, first things first. I love Okada. Um, I the last time I was kind of watching New Japan, uh, which was during the G1 climax, um, I thought he was doing some fucking hilarious work, um, and he was super enjoyable. And um, again, yeah, Okada and Kenny Omega, and Pentagon probably honestly have to be in the top ten best wrestlers wrestling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, if not higher than top top ten, um, I mean, honestly, I don't think you even uh, realistically for those guys, you could probably go top five. Oh, I don't easily. think anybody would fight. Yeah, yeah, I don't think anybody would fight you. Um, I remember I was watching, I was watching uh, J Love stream with one of her friends, and uh, he was talking about wrestling. They were getting drunk and playing uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and. Um, they he was talking about wrestling. He's like AJ Styles, the best wrestler in the world. And I'm like, it was like I think like two or three weeks after All In, and I literally just sat there and I was like, 
your boy needs to watch all in and be exposed <laughs> to Kenny Omega and Okada. <laughs> because, like, look, I like AJ, right? Like, I've been a defender on this podcast of AJ for a very long time. AJ is still a great wrestler. Is he the best in the world when you open it up to, like, the world? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Marty, Marty Scroll. So, well, and then before we jump there, I mean, because for me watching it, I wasn't, I didn't have the card up, and I didn't, I completely forgot that that Okada Scroll match was even happening. So, go like as we went out of the Omega Penta match, like I was expecting to go into the main event match with the the six man tag. So the fact that there was another match completely there, I was completely. It, it for me it was bonus because it like I didn't expect yep. it to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, it ended up being something um that I I wasn't expecting to happen. But uh, for me was pleasantly surprised because I haven't seen that much Okada. Um, mm-hmm. and so uh, it ends up being and I forget what the there was one thing that one of the commentators said that was a hundred percent spot on. Um, but he, it, it was basically, I mean, the dude is massive and like, he's, he, he's a prototype. Like if there, if there was like a street fighter character come to life, it would be in, in my mind, it would be Okada, like just his build, his yeah. look, his style. Um, and then just everything about him was, was ridiculous. So I, I, for me, that was like, um, like a, a extra credit because I didn't realize it was there and just being able to see that in that uh, manner and kind of uh, up close was, was pretty awesome. And it does help that he's wrestling Marty Sproul um, because Okada is considered, would be considered, you know, quote unquote, a heavyweight. Um, and Marty Scroll definitely would be on 205 Live. And I love that that was his fucking taunt for him the entire fucking match. I love that. That was so fucking funny. And just like classic Okada. <laughs> I'm going to send you to fucking... Two- I'm going to beat you so bad you're going to go to 205 Live. But <laughs> 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 like, um, that match, like, you know, once again, that match was great. Um, my biggest problem with that match was actually Marty Scroll. <laughs> um, I wish out of all the indie guys they could have found they could have found him a better opponent. So obviously, you know, Okada has to win, right? That's part of the reason New Japan was like, though I guarantee that had to have been part of the deal New Japan worked out because they are, they do host, they do host those matches on, on New Japan. Um, and I mean, if you were going to get some of their big stars, like their two biggest stars with Okada and Kenny Omega, you're just, Mission. You're missing like two. You're missing two out of their top. Or I think did uh, did Abushi come out with Omega? Uh no. It was Abushi uh, was he only came out with uh, the Young Bucks. Okay. Oh, that's because he was fucking wrestling. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I forgot he was in that fucking match. Um. Okay. So yeah, you're gonna get three out of their five biggest top stars. They're hosting it and they're going over. <laughs> like, um. But I think you could have found maybe Okada a little more better of a, a, a opponent than Marty Scroll. Um, you know, obviously you have to put him with. Obviously, you're not going to have Okada do anything crazy like Janela or anything. Um, but he got you could find somebody for him, de- somebody decent for him to wrestle. And uh, I mean, not that I don't have. 
Marty, and I say that with Scroll being, he's a good wrestler. Obviously, from what I saw, that was a great match. Um, but I, what I'm saying is, probably could have had somebody with a little bit more name recognition. Um, and if you're putting that after the Kenny match, you would think that it would be a little bit more uh, of a higher, higher stakes, higher recognition match than yeah. it was. Yeah, and it's like honestly, it's like you're sitting there, and I'm like thinking about it. It's like who's i mean who's left in the independent circuit for them to even like you know i mean because the wwe has done how many talent poaches now yeah exactly um you know because now they're running four base four separate shows basically you're running raw smackdown um nxt and 205 live mm-hmm. and all the guys you would pro- like i don't i don't know if you needed to wrestle a fucking cruiserweight but you could you could wrestle like I don't even know who you would necessarily even get that would be a better opponent for Okada. Um, that somebody that he's not going to wrestle anyway over in Japan. Yeah, so somebody I mean, that can take the at loss. Other, looking at other guys that they had there, even for like some of the ones that were in the battle royal. Like I mean, you don't really have many people that are even going to. Uh, make it somewhat even more relevant to him. Um, like, I mean, you've got like Tommy Dreamer's well past his prime, so that's not going to do anything. Um, <laughs> you know, Billy Gunn, uh, and then Colt Cabana. Like, I mean, those are like some of the bigger names there, but I mean, it's it's not going to get you anything there. So, I mean, I, I think as far as look and size, like you, they probably did the best they could with that, with what they had. And I, I mean, Skrull lived up to it, but again, it's it's not going to be name recognition or body recognition. Oh Jesus! I, I, oh God! A Colt Cabana Okada match would be fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, going into the the main event, that was one where again, yeah, like it was. The Okada match just it ended how it should like you nail your finisher and he's like, fuck you, you're getting it again. I'm not even trying for a pin yet. Gets up, gives it to him again and then, you know, pins it to be done with it, which was good. Um, and then mm-hmm. going into it, like I I had heard that it was the night or the main event was cut short because of um, it, it running long. And then we had talked about some of the criticism being the case that uh, it suffered from some of the. Uh, pay-per-view issues of it being an event with too many matches. But I think that's the only problem was because they were good matches yep. that ran long. Whereas you you compare that against a WWE pay-per-view, and that's like, where do I put all my gold? I have too much gold and not enough space to put it all. <laughs> like, compared to... I, I I don't honestly I can't remember what pay-per-views we've we've seen recently. Um what was the last one? Was the last one Hell in a Cell? <laughs> I think so. You, um, you watched that. I didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm just talking about which ones have have existed, not necessarily which ones we've remembered. Um, uh, so, so that one went off. Um, we've got WWE Evolution coming up and then WWE Crown Jewel coming up. So, like, you could take all of those combined, put them together, and still, like, not have the quality of matches that you're going to have here. Um and so, again, that's a good problem to have. Um, and so, like, I mean, if you keep feeding me all these high-quality matches, yeah, I'm going to keep taking them, as opposed to, you know, bullshit squash matches or the two-minute matches between The Miz and Daniel Bryant, where that has a possibility of being something good, but they're going to find a way to fuck it up. Um, not between the wrestlers, but just for creative or planning or whatever. Um, 
so I mean, going into this, it was like I didn't know what to expect, but like I was looking at like the video on the iPad and on the um uh, the TV, being able to fast forward through it and be like, okay, there's not much time left. So unless this kind of either cuts off to something else or they wrap this up really quick, um, this is going to be interesting. But in that time, I mean, they you know, they hit a home run with that too, because, um, I haven't seen much of the young bucks myself. Um, and then just seeing a Bushi come out and being probably the most jacked, um, Japanese wrestler that I've seen with his build, with that build style, um, is, was, was awesome. And then I'm very interested to follow up and, and see more of, uh, both Ray Phoenix and Bandito based on their styles. Um, and so that was yep. a, that was a six man that kept it going. Wasn't bullshit. Um, night and day difference between the six man tag that was on raw last night for the third time, which was the shield versus Braun Dolph and McIntyre. Um, and so that was, Usually it ends up being you use six man tags to be able to cover up for deficiencies in the tags or to fill a spot or to, you know, artificially create a storyline or something like that. But they don't have a storyline here. Again, it's like a one night event um, and they didn't really need any other stuff. So they, you know, came out and brought it and and ran with it. And I, I mean, all of them hit individual spots that like were, were pretty uh, mind blowing. Um, and just the fact to see, you know, I, I've, I've loved Ray Mysterio since Kevin Nash was throwing him headfirst into trailers. Um, when, when I was growing <laughs> up, um, and so to, to see him there and to see like the success he's had in WWE and all the indie circuits and stuff. Now that, uh, we're recording tonight on the night that they, uh, are, are airing SmackDown 1000. Um, and so tonight he's wrestling Shinsuke Nakamura back as the first part of his WWE contract. Um, uh, seeing that was, was pretty awesome. And so this was a, an excellent six man tag for me. And so I, I was, um, pretty happy, uh, with the way the night ended, even if it was a quick one. Yeah, no, I don't have any, I don't have any like issues with it. I just wanted to see that match develop anymore. I, so first off, uh, Koto Ibushi won me over, um, during the first cruiserweight classic, um, because I think in the first one, he, the one that I guess there's only been one cruiserweight classic. For New um, Japan. yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no. For the WWE. Oh, Cause WWE he was in that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he won me over because I think they had him go to like close to the semis of that. And I think he actually lost to Cedric Alexander. Um, but I watched those matches with him and was like, holy shit. I'm like, where the, f-? I'm like, I literally saw that and said, they got to sign this dude. Like, like when I watched that, I was like, why is he not on, you know, why is he not on my TV mm-hmm. every, every day? Week. You know, every time I, yeah, yeah every week I want to sit down with him because he was, he was good. Um, I mean, hell they fucking signed Jack Gallagher out of that, but, <laughs> um, now it's, <laughs> um, and now seeing where <laughs> I see if I do my best fence. Uh, yeah. Uh, give me, give me, give me the, the pal fuck with the, with the, with the strikes. He's funny looking. Yeah. Let's get him. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, like he, um, like now knowing that he, the reason he probably didn't sign is because he probably had a sweet deal with new Japan anyway. Um, but yeah, like, 
I've so I've liked Ibushi from that. I've liked uh, his matches with the matches I was looking forward mo- to most in the G1 Classic, um, and with o- with Okada and Kenny being close second and third, and you could switch those up. But um, he, dude's good. He can go. And um, the Young Bucks. I haven't had a chance to see the Young Bucks wrestle a lot outside of viral videos or you know. Yeah, that's pretty um, much the same thing I have. It's all been viral social media type stuff or i mean they had a pretty big presence at uh comic-con in san diego over the summer um with their own uh, like comic book and and stuff like that um but i i didn't get a chance to to catch them all there or anything um and so that was mostly my my first exposure to them and being an event put on by cody and the bucks um i having more previous exposure to cody just by happenstance, um, getting more exposure mm-hmm. to them in the main event was good for me. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed, like I enjoyed the main event. Um, I liked, uh, Phoenix and, Oh God, Bandito. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, the person I actually, it's funny. The person I liked least in this match was actually Rey Mysterio. <laughs> um, mostly because we had that, the last time I had seen Rey Mysterio was a really disappointing WWE run he had. Or he was about to get, he was in the rumble, wasn't he? Yeah. He came back for the rumble. Yeah. So like he came, yeah, he came back for the rumble was signed and then got hurt. And so they released him. And then, so yeah, so I saw that. I was like, Rey Mysterio has disappointed me so much in my life. Uh, I was going to say Rey Mysterio has disappointed me so much in my life. I would think that he's my father, but, uh, <laughs> um, he like, you know, I, I look, I liked Ray back in, you know, 2000. Oh God, we're going to speak in a SmackDown. We're going to reference some old SmackDown here. Um, 2006, uh, 2006, because I think it was Eddie died in 2005. So I was a dude. I, uh, dude, I was a huge Rey Mysterio mark. Him and Big Batista, right? Because they were the top two. They were the top two guys of that SmackDown forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I was all into him, but I'm disappointed, man. Disappointed a lot when he would leave, come back, get hurt, leave. Um, and there are a couple times when he had his longer WWE run this last time, he wasn't in shape. Um. And that was kind of a kind of a bummer, um, but yeah. So I mean, they were all good. It was a good match. Um, Could have used a little bit more time, but it was good. The whole pay per view was good. Um, the issues that I've had with that pay per view were just minute and minimal, and really wouldn't. Uh, they could have made it better, but it was a solid event, and I think it's going to be the best event of the year. I don't think there's a WWE pay per view that's going to come close or has come close. Mm-hmm. And I don't think TNA is going to fucking do it either. <laughs> so, um, and, and Ring of Honor has been on the on the decline. So, yeah, I mean, just the fact of again going through this and there being multiple matches that I want to go back and rewatch um, just speaks volumes to yep. what they were able to do, as opposed to the majority, if not the entirety, of WWE pay per views, where it's like okay, that happened now. Like, so what? Like there's, there's not much there. There haven't been many spots in WWE pay-per-view since I've gotten back into it that have been 
somewhat of a anything above a background noise rewatchability scale. So so for that, I mean, it's you know a home run there. Yeah, I um, yeah, no, I've watched a few of the matches a couple times already, and um, so good, so good, um, so fucking good, such a good man, really good pay per view. And I'm probably going to have to watch it again soon. And I'm probably going to find a way to probably download it and, and watch it on the plane. Cause I gotta, I gotta start trying to prepare all that stuff for that too. Cause that's coming up in a couple weeks. Listen carefully. 